الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد ذرنا لجهنم كثيرا من الجن والانس لهم قلوب لا يفقهون بها ولهم اعين لا يبصرون بها ولهم اذان لا يسمعون بها اولئك كالانعام بل هم اضل اولئك هم الخاسرون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الا ان في الجسد لمضغه اذا صلحت صلح الجسد كله واذا فسدت فسد الجسد كله الا وهي القلب او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسبحان الله ونعم الوكيل برادرز اند ايلدرز الله تعالى هاز بليست اس وذ ذس لايف ان دنيا ويتش از ا فيز ويتش از ا فيري تيمبوراري phase of our journey to the akhirat the real place is the hereafter the quran sharif allah taala mentions us in the ayat allah taala says that innamal hayatu dunya lahu wa la'ib wa inna ad-dar al-akhirata lahiya al-hayawan this dunya this worldly life is just play and amusement meaning everything is just like a play and amusement the reality ala inna ad-dar wa inna ad-dar al-akhirata lahiya al-hayawan the real life is a life of akhirat otherwise all these things that a person does in dunya when he will get to the akhirat then it all seemed like he was just playing games these children who are playing in some sand and, and some child is building one castle another child is building a bigger castle and some child is building a castle which is more adorned and he found something more more, more attractive to put onto it and somebody else found something else but then at the end of the day they themselves just kick it down and all just gets trampled and they go home and they don't think about it too because it's all sand it's all dust and it's of no worth to them they can't take it and go anywhere so likewise when a person has gone to akhirat he realizes that this was nothing he could bring along all the things that he had such great attachment for in dunya his heart was so deeply into it he was obsessed with so many things so many things if somebody had to take it away from him it would have been like, like taking his life away but now when he had to leave without it then it is just like those children who know they can't take those sand castles and go along anywhere they just stamp it and carry on because it's worth nothing to them now so likewise when the real time comes the time comes of the real life these children were playing around they knew it's play it's amusement now when time came now to go home then this is a real life now they could come back to reality the game has finished when the game is over all these things just i by the wayside when the real life of akhirat starts 
this entire life of dunya looks like one game. Not that this is permissible to get involved in all these futilities, but children play some monopoly or whatever, it'll just seem like one game. Because now a person can't take any of this along. But that child who was playing around, maybe his mother gave him some little container to bring his food along, somebody had his wallet maybe with him, somebody had something else of value, so now he makes sure he takes all that along. What has to come along for the real life, life that comes along? But all the play and amusement gets left behind. So what will go along for the real life of Akhirat? That is Iman and, and, and Amal Salihah. The rest of it, everything will stay behind. A person's Iman will come along and his Amal Salihah, his righteous deeds will come along to benefit him. And Allah forbid, if there's evil actions, that too will come along and that will become a source of great difficulty for him. So this life in this dunya is Allah Ta'ala given us this opportunity, this chance to make that life of Akhirat. As long as this life can be, somebody has 50 years, somebody 75 years, somebody 100 years, but nobody has lived forever and nobody will live forever. And everybody has to move on. And when a person's time comes to move on, then this entire life is not even like a drop in the ocean compared to the everlasting life of the hereafter. What comparison can they be of something that is very limited and something that is unlimited? You ask a person, what is the percentage of 1 from 10? You say 10%. Because there are both limited things on either side. So you can work out the percentage. You can make a comparison. Okay, what is a certain fraction or 1 out of 1 billion? He'll work it out. Tell you this is a fraction, one billionth. We see one out of unlimited quantity on the other end. See, well, how can I work it out? That's a reality. That is dunya in comparison to akhirat. So when this is the reality of dunya and this is the reality of akhirat, then obviously the proportion of effort for both places has to be very carefully seen. What is the proportion of effort for dunya? And what is the proportion of effort for Akhirat? The Luqman said to his son, that make an effort for this life, for this world, to the extent that you are going to be living here, and make an effort for the afterlife to the extent you are going to be there. This Allah Ta'ala's mercy, His grace, that He has made it such, that if a person just understands what the reality of deen is all about, Then many thoughts that would have crossed the mind already, those thoughts and doubts would be already answered. For example, the thought and doubt might have crossed us the mind that to live in dunya is very limited, akhirat is infinite. So now if to make preparations or work for the dunya to the extent of dunya, work for the akhirat to the extent I'm going to be in the akhirat, so it means that my whole life I should be working for the Akhirat because that's an infinite life. That's not going to come to an end. So that's not going to come to an end and this is a very, very limited and a very, very short period of time that I'm here. I should be working 24-7 for the Akhirat. How is that possible? 
That's not possible. I've got to earn for my family. I have my own needs. I have to take a rest. I have to sleep. I have to eat. I have to do many other, fulfill many other needs. So that's not something that's practical. That doubt or that question is as a result of not knowing the reality of deen. Whereas the reality of deen is such that this is Allah Ta'ala's grace that if a person understands the reality of deen then he can be 24-7 in the preparation of akhirat. And in that process he won't stop doing any of the things that are necessary for life. He has to earn that will also become a preparation for akhirat. He has to get married that too will become a preparation for akhirat. He has to eat he has to sleep Anything he has to do, but if he's understood what is deen all about, then all these things will become part of the preparation of akhirat. Why and how? Very simply, that he will be all the time concerned that in any of these aspects of life, he must not do anything that will displease Allah Ta'ala and do all these things in such a way that will please Allah Ta'ala. How will he do all these things in a way that will please Allah Ta'ala? This is what Allah Ta'ala sent Rasulullah Sallallahu to teach us. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Say to them that if you claim to love Allah Ta'ala, then to gain that love and to prove that love, فَاتَّبِعُونِي Follow in my footsteps. In the footsteps of Rasulullah Sallallahu regarding what? Regarding only how he spent his time in the masjid, regarding how he performed his salah only, yes indeed, he instructed even regarding that, Sallu usalli. Perform your salah as you see me performing my salah. So the sahaba observed that salah. They took full note of it. They preserved it. They taught it. This was not just something by the way. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala is the Khalifa of the time. And there are times when in a public space he's sitting and teaching how to perform wudu correctly. He's Amirul Mu'mineen. Rahba, a little platform which was outside in the sahan of the masjid. He is sitting there and he is teaching how to perform the somebody asked him a question, he asked for the water. And he practically performed the wudu and demonstrated how the wudu is to be performed. The lesson in this was that deen was learned and there was no inhibition, there was no reservation that I am now past the maktab age of my life and why or how do I go and ask somebody to teach me how to make my wudu correctly or to teach me how to perform my salah correctly or that same type of salah that I learned in maktab, I just carry on anyhow, whether I forgot about it or whether I remembered correctly what was taught to me or that wudu, am I perhaps missing something? That salah is it performed, the postures are performed correctly, the sunnah is being fulfilled. MashaAllah, the sunnah is something that we sometimes many do make an effort to be conscious of the sunnah in many aspects of life. For example, eating sunnahs, we make muzakara of it also. We try to uh, remember that at the time of eating. We even remind our children to, somebody is now trying to put their left hand forward, we'll remind that child to eat with the right hand. We will remind the child to recite Bismillah. Excellent. This is indeed something to be done even to a greater extent. 
Because every sunnah of Rasulullah is filled with noor. And this is that noor that dispels darkness. The darknesses of fitna, the darknesses of all kinds of strife and all kinds of difficulties and the lack of muhabbat that comes along as a result of all the various other issues and what not goes on. All this is darkness. All these things that become problems for us. All these are darknesses. And the thing that will remove the, the darkness is simply light. A person can give a whole bayan to the darkness, the darkness won't go anywhere. But a person puts one small candle on, that will already dispel the darkness to that extent. There will be a glimmer. From a distance a person can see something, there is some light somewhere. And if a person puts a little small torch on, it will give so much more light. Somebody switches a lamp on, it lights half the room. And then if somebody brings one huge fluorescent light and put, put, put it on there, the whole place will get lit up. So the simple way of dispelling darkness is bringing light in. Switching the light on. And the light that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us in is the light of a'mal. There's noor in every amal. Noor in every sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Noor in that manner of eating with the right hand. Noor in cleaning up that utensil after eating. There is noor in reciting those du'as before and after eating. There is noor in that sleeping posture that Rasulullah adopted. In fact, to enter the toilet in the sunnah manner and leave the toilet afterwards again in the sunnah manner and to fulfill all the etiquettes and sunnahs pertaining to how a person should fulfill the requirement of relieving himself, that sunnah that he adopted in fulfilling this human need, that is far greater than that two rakats of nafil that was performed haphazardly without the sunnah. Where the sunnahs were ignored. Where there was no consideration for the way that Nabi Salaam performed that salah. Because otherwise that salah that is performed in that haphazard manner, that salah itself raises up in a very ugly form, and then like a dirty rag is thrown back at the face of the person. And that salah curses him, May Allah destroy you as you have destroyed me. So, that amal, all these amal of deen, and every sunnah of Rasulullah has, has, has tremendous noor in it. And to the extent that this, this noor is brought alive, to the extent that this light is switched on in our homes, and everywhere else, to that extent this light will dispel the darkness. That muhabbat will come. That sukoon and afiyat will come. And this is a tried and tested thing. They say you mustn't reinvent the wheel. It's already there, use it. So this is a tried and tested thing. In fact, there is many, many cases where there were so many problems within the four walls of the home, domestic issues and what not. It was just bringing alive that talim in the home, bringing alive amal in that home. It seemed like such complicated things that apparently there was no solution to it. But, but bringing alive amal in that home without doing anything much besides that, everything started coming right. So likewise, this aspect about this doubt and question comes in the mind that if I have to prepare for everlasting hereafter, then I must spend 24-7 every day of my life 
every bit of my life in the preparation of Akhirat. So apparently it seems I must stop working, stop earning, stop running my business. A person shouldn't even get married. No, this is not the way of Rasulullah Once Nabi came to know three Sahaba who were discussing the life of Rasulullah and they wanted to know what is his way of how he spends his time at home. So they came to one of the Azwaj Mutaharat and with the from behind the parda they inquired that how does Nabi Salaam spend his time at home? So they were given the detail that this is how he comes, he spends his time at home, he has time for his ibadat, he has time for his family, he has time for some rest. So they felt perhaps this is something that it's fine for Nabi Salaam. In other words, they thought that this was something less. Hadith Sharif, the word, that they, as if they thought that this was less, but it was fine for Nabi Sallallahu because he is masoom, he is sinless. That, that this is okay for him. But for us, this doesn't fit in for us. Because we are not sinless. So one person said, as of today, I am going to sleep the whole night, uh, make ibadat the whole night. I am never going to sleep. One person said, I am never going to get married. Other person said, I'm going to fast every day. Nabi Islam heard of this. He came to them, he said, you said these things? They said, yes, we said it. He said, this is not my way. He said, I, I fast some days, and I some days make iftar also. I perform salah at night, and I sleep also. And I get married, I'm married as well. فَمَنْ رَغِبَ عَنْ سُنَّتِي فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي on this occasion, Nabi Islam said these words which you often hear in the, at the occasion of nikah. فَمَنْ رَغِبَ عَنْ سُنَّتِي This is my way of life. That I balance everything out. And the one who does not follow, follow my way, then he is not among me. But everything becomes deen if it's done correctly. And it's done with the correct intention. The person is eating. But why is eating? So he's eating so that he may nourish himself and look after this amanat of the body that Allah has blessed him with. Because if he doesn't give it its nourishment and he starves it without any valid reason, there's food available, one is there's nothing available, he starved it deliberately and his life went, he'll be guilty of suicide. So he has to eat, so that's his niyat, to look after the body. Then to nourish himself so he'll have strength for ibadat. He'll have strength to serve the deen of Allah Ta'ala. Now that eating has become ibadat. Now what effort it took, it was just correcting his intention and eating in the right manner, eating what is halal and pure. He went to sleep, he went to sleep with the same niyat. He's sleeping so that he may be rested and then he may wake up for fajr, he may perform salah, he may fulfill whatever his other needs are, he may serve the deen of, deen of Allah Ta'ala. So that sleeping became ibadat. His earning also he got the right intention that he will not touch one bit of haram. He will not do one transaction that is going to be against the laws of shariat. He will not do anything in the manner of conducting that business that will transgress the shariat. He will guard his gaze. He will not commit zulm on anyone. Whether it is his employee, whether it is the employer, whether it is some colleague, whether it is somebody he has to transact with, he will not do anybody down in any way. 
and this is done so that he may fulfill what is the command of Shariat, that to earn a halal living is an obligation after the faraiz, and then whatever excess he has after the needs of himself and his family, he will spend on the poor, on the needy, on the destitute, in the path of deen. Now this entire earning has become ibadat. How simple deen is. But if a person does not bring everything, channeling it through, through deen, then that becomes totally dunya. And then that becomes a burden for him in akhirat. So this dunya is a very, very temporary phase, but we need to make it deen. Then this whole life in dunya becomes very valuable. Otherwise, then this just becomes a play, amusement. And those who just make it a play and amusement, this is what Allah Ta'ala refers to in this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, وَلَقَدْ ذَرَأْنَا لِجَهَنَّمَ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ Allah Ta'ala says that there are many insan and jinnat, many human beings and jinn, that have been now just left aside for Jahannam. This is their direction. This is where they are headed. Why this has become their lot? So what has become the reason for this? Allah Ta'ala says, لَهُمْ قُلُوبُ اللَّا يَفْقَهُونَ بِهَا They have hearts. Hearts, every living thing has. Insan has a heart. Animals have hearts. Creatures have hearts also. So hearts even animals have. So insan also has a heart. Animal has a heart. But this insan has something else. Allah Ta'ala has blessed him a heart that can understand. That can recognize Allah Ta'ala. But... He has made his heart no different to the heart of some animal. They have hearts with which, which they do not understand. They have shut their hearts off. They have closed it to trying to understand how to recognize Allah Ta'ala. There are so many signs of Allah Ta'ala all around. But, They pass by it. They don't take any lesson from it. Everything around us is inviting us towards Allah Ta'ala. Every single thing, if a person ponders upon it, everything is inviting him towards the greatness of Allah Ta'ala, towards recognizing Allah Ta'ala. person just looks at his fingers, he'll recognize Allah Ta'ala. Those joints and how those fingers come together to hold whatever he holds, how those fingers pick that pen up and support it to be able to write how those fingers help him to eat. We take it for granted, but sometimes something happens now the person's hand got bandaged. Now he can't hold anything. I also write, he can't hold a pen. He can't pick up his food. He can't, he can't drive. He can't do so many things. Just some joint got hurt. I had to bandage his whole hand together. His whole palm got bandaged. Everything, so many things now become a problem. So now this, who created this? It just happened? It was just some down's theory that made it happen? Somebody said to him, why don't you write a refutation of down? Down is making all these kinds of things that are, is making these claims that people, Nauzubillah, came from apes. So Thani replied and said, that every person has a right to 
claim his lineage. Every person has a right. We are very, very grateful Allah Ta'ala has created us from Adam Ali Salatu We are extremely happy about this and we claim this. So we have our right to claim our lineage. He's got his right to claim his lineage. If that's where he came from, so that's his business. Something so futile, is it necessary to take time to refute something so futile? But unfortunately, when Shaitan blocks the mind and this heart. Unfortunately, in this time and age also, let alone those who are without Iman, many a person with Iman in that school environment, in that university environment, and because of this propaganda and this repeated bombardment of all these fallacies from those childhood days, from that nursery class, one person came one, one, one child came from school home to ask the father that now he need to do a project. So what's the project on? So he put forward that, that paper what was there. The father is looking at he's trying to trying to read the word. Now this is the child from where? Metric? No, no, not metric. Somewhere beginning of high school, not even beginning of high school. Top of primary school. Grade one. Grade one child, the father can't read that word. He must do a project, meaning a half-page project or whatever, on a silocanth. First, he couldn't even work out how you pronounce his word. And then when, okay, whether he pronounced it, couldn't pronounce it too, but what does it ever mean? His whole life, he went past metric, he never heard the word. And this child now is learning what is a silocanth, or must write something on a silocanth. So he tried to search up something, so any case, the silo can, what the, just to cut the long story short, this is the whole theory, this fallacious theory, this is where it's built up from. A single cell organism. And now this is that where that whole theory is built from. That a single cell became a double cell and then the cells multiplied and one thing led to another. Now, Billah, that everything has happened by chance. Now such a fallacious theory, now that theory, that single cell, that one, that seed is now being planted in that child's heart, way at grade one. And now that word which a child can't ever probably pronounce in the whole effort, with every effort for the whole year too, but now he must do a project and come. Why? Because this must start getting planted in that heart from now. So this is the effort of Batil. To this extent that effort has happened, that in every Muslim school also, Somewhere down the line this will come. Because they say, well, you've got to teach the syllabus. So you've got to teach the syllabus. So now in every Muslim child's school career also, somewhere down the line he'll, get, he'll have to encounter this. And if this is not then uh, refuted, whether by the teacher, whether by the parents, or by somebody, that child's iman and aqaid can get, that foundation of it can get shaken. And not can get shaken, Allah forbid, many have then ex- expressed that, that disbelief that sat in their hearts. They expressed it later, much later. And some expressed that doubt. One person who went through, passed everything, passed medical school, practicing as a doctor for years. And one day he's asking one alim, you know that doubt is still in my mind. Not that he be- he's saying he's not be- believing in it. But it keeps niggling his mind. 
that seed that was planted there, it keeps niggling his mind, but is there any truth to this? Not that he's, he says, he's claiming not believing it, but he's still asking himself that question. Can there be some, maybe there's something to look into? Na'uzubillah. So this is Allah Ta'ala saying, لَهُمْ قُلُوبُ اللَّا biha. That they have hearts which they don't think with. They don't understand with it. Why they don't understand? What becomes the reason that a person doesn't understand with his heart? His heart has the capacity to understand. But, if the person blocks something, now the room is lit, but he, where the light is, he's got it all curtained off. So how much of light is going to shine outside? Nothing. So likewise, his heart has the capacity to think, to understand, to recognize Allah Ta'ala. But with the curtains of, and the veils of darknesses, he's wrapped it around his heart. Oh, so many darknesses of the batil, of the love of dunya, of the haram things a person sees and looks at, the wrong things that he reads, the propaganda that he injects into that heart, all these veils of darknesses have wrapped themselves around the heart. So now that capacity to think and understand is all locked up inside. It can't get out, it can't think, it can't function. So as a result now, this person is Allah forbid headed towards Jahannam. لَهُمْ قُلُوبُ اللَّا بِهَا وَلَهُمْ أَعْيُنُ يُبْصِرُونَ بِهَا And they have eyes with which they do not see. Now a person who is living, he's got eyes also. And a person who has just passed away, he's got eyes also. Both have eyes. And that person who just passed away, barely a few minutes now have passed. Then that, in that few minutes, his eyes don't look any different to the eyes of a living person. Maybe sometimes hours have passed too, it don't, don't, don't look different. Then it might start becoming, the whatever it is, become obvious that there's no life left in his eye. But especially a few minutes later, there's no difference. In the, on the surface of it, there's no difference. But the realities are far apart. This living person can see. This person who's passed away, his eyes are there, but he can see nothing anymore. So likewise, this living person, he has eyes that can see just the material things around him. But But he can't see the signs of Allah Ta'ala all around him. He can see the value of wealth, but he can't see the value of amal. He can recognize the technology, that what it can do for him. But he can't recognize the technology that Allah Ta'ala has put in the system of the universe. How the sun rises and how it sets, like we say like clockwork, clockwork is not accurate. This system of Allah Ta'ala, that clockwork, no matter how well that clock has been manufactured, after such a period of time, they've got to still adjust it so many seconds to bring it back on time. It starts either gaining some seconds, it starts losing some seconds. They say as accurate as clockwork, but it's not accurate. But this system Allah Ta'ala has made hasn't gone off that, that track and that system that Allah Ta'ala has put it onto not for one millisecond in all this time that it has been functioning for the millions and millions of years. Have you not recognized Allah Ta'ala in this? Have you not recognized Allah Ta'ala in those raindrops? Have you not recognized Allah Ta'ala in those little seedlings that come out of the ground? And in all the things around us, in that little flower, that beauty of that flower that Allah Ta'ala has placed in it, in the very physical being that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, so لَهُمْ قُلُوبُ اللَّا biha, 
Meaning they see, they see a lot of things. But they see everything and only see material in it. They see everything and only see dunya in it. They see everything and only see how they can just keep making dunya with it. They see everything and Allah forbid some try to see how they can do some cookery in it. Some see how they can try and work some way to get into somebody's life in a haram way. They want to see, then they only want to see that which is going to take them further away from Allah Ta'ala. person wants to see, but he only wants to see that which will darken the heart off completely, which will shut that noor of the heart out, which will drain every bit of it out by looking at that, that, that filth on that phone, on that internet, that will drain that heart completely. Those lustful glances which will completely drain out every drop, drop, drop of that noor, of that tilawat the person made, of the salah he performed, of that zikr he made, of that tears at Baytullah that he shed, of the du'as that he made at Arafat, and all the other amal that a person did. But unfortunately sometimes, because of this darkness over the heart still, the person is engaging in these amal, but he's not making an effort to remove these veils of darkness at the same time. So those, that noor is coming, but it's getting drained out. He's not giving it a chance to then light up the heart. As a result of which the heart is perpetually in this darkness. Now when the heart is in this darkness, the eyes now cannot see. Just like when that person's life has come out, the soul is not up there. Now the eyes cannot see. When the spiritual life is not in a person, now his eyes cannot see with spirituality. His eyes only see what is dunya. They cannot see that which will take him closer to Allah Ta'ala. So both people see that same, see that same waterfall. And one person will see it and just see it as a waterfall. Another person will see, subhanallah, look at Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat. And look at this, this mass of water. And look at how these waves are rolling, never ending. Is this just happening by chance? Or is there a Qudrat behind it? Is there a might and power behind it? And he recognizes Allah Ta'ala, فَتَبَارَكَ اللَّهُ أَحْسَنُ الْخَالِقِينَ so, لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ لَا يَفْقَهُونَ بِهَا وَلَهُمْ أَعْيُنٌ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ بِهَا وَلَهُمْ آذَانٌ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ بِهَا And they have ears, but they don't listen with it. They hear, but they don't listen. Two different things. One is hearing, but listening has a different context in which it is used. A person hears physically with his ears, but then when the word listen is used, it is sometimes used in a different context. Meaning having taken that message. He heard it and then he took it to heart. So we hear many things. person hears the azan, but he's going in the opposite direction. He's heard the azan, but he's taking one more turn in bed to still fall asleep again. He's heard the nasihat of deen, but he still carries on like nothing happened. So, lahum azanul la yasma'una biha. He's heard about the respect and honor of parents. But life carries on like nothing. He still talks to them in that same harsh manner. He still does not talk to them with humility, does not make dua for them, does not fulfill what Allah Ta'ala has commanded. That, وَلَا تَقُلَّهُمَا أُفِّوا وَلَا تَنْهَرُهُمَا Don't even say uff to them, don't rebuke them, and all the various other commands of the Qur'an Sharif. He hears about honesty and truthfulness, but he still goes on lying. He hears about not making khiyanat and deception, but that deception carries on. 
He learns about the importance of, he hears about the importance of salah. But that salah is must. And likewise all the aspects of deen. But Allah Ta'ala is saying, وَلَهُمْ آذَانُ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ بِهَا Now when the heart got shut off, the eyes are not seeing, the ears stop listening. So Allah Ta'ala says, أُولَٰئِكَ كَلْأَنْعَامُ so as we started off, that insan has a heart, animals have a heart also. So Allah Ta'ala is bringing us onto the same point. That such people who their hearts are now completely just shut off, they don't think anything with that heart. They don't see with their eyes, meaning that seeing which brings them closer to Allah Ta'ala. They don't listen with their ears, that listening which will make them conscious of Allah Ta'ala. They are like animals, Allah Ta'ala says. Allah says, no, not that only. Balhum adal. They are worse of than animals. That animal on the day of Tiamat, finally, it comes in the Hadith Sharif, that even there will be justice meted out between animals on the day of Tiamat. That a horned goat had harmed a hornless goat in dunya. Then on the day of Tiamat, that goat that was harmed will be given the chance to take revenge. So there will be justice meted out even between animals on the day of Qiyamat. But after that justice is done, then kunu turaba. That command will be given, become dust. Finish, that's the end of it. And that is the time this insan who is headed for Jahannam, he will be, his grief will know no bounds. That this animal, how much better of this animal is, that now it became dust, that's the end of it. It's got no azab. I have to now be in this azab. So the animal is better off. Allah Ta'ala says, Inhum illa kal an'am, balhum adal. They are worse off than animals, because that animal will one day is going to be perishing. But this insan won't perish. This insan will continue. He was not existing since ever. Insan was created. But insan has an infinite life. He goes through the phases. Dunya is temporary. He will leave dunya one day. He'll go to the cover, but he won't be in the cover forever also. The day of Tiamat will come, and then he'll be resurrected. And then, there's a final abode. Allah Ta'ala, take us to the final abode of Jannat. But nobody wants to go through, Allah forbid, and save us and protect us, through any cleansing process of Jahannam. You want to go directly to Jannat. That cleansing process is, we can't imagine it. We don't want to risk it for one second, for one millisecond. For the fraction of one second, we can't risk it. We want to go, go, go directly to Jannat. And in order to go directly to Jannat, the procedure for that is Iman and Amal Saliha. Amal Saliha includes the whole of Deen. It includes doing everything that we're supposed to do. And Amal Saliha also, within it, is refraining from sin. So this is the whole Deen that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with. This requires that we make an effort on this heart. لَهُمْ قُلُوبُ اللَّا biha. Allah Ta'ala says the whole problem is with the heart. That when the heart is now not functioning the way it should spiritually, then all the problems are now, that becomes a norm. The effort starts off with the heart. That this heart has to change. When this heart changes for the better, then everything starts falling into place. Because the heart is the driver. The heart is king. So, the effort has to start on this heart, to cleanse this heart, to rectify this heart. To purify this heart, purify it of all the ailments, spiritual ailments that lurk within the heart. To purify it of all the maladies of pride, of arrogance, of jealousy, of malice, of the love of the ego, 
of the love of dunya, of the haram lust, and all the various things that take us to so many sins, and to fill in this heart the love of Allah Ta'ala, to fill in this heart the love of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to fill in this heart the love of the Mubarak life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and his Mubarak Sunnah, and to fill in this heart the love of deen, and the love to make an effort for deen, within ourselves and upon others. So this is that amal as a saliha that we are to be making this effort for. For this we require to be in the gatherings of deen, in the environments that are conducive of deen, to make our home environments conducive to deen. In this way this will impact on our hearts and our hearts too will become enlivened like the hearts of the two servants of Allah Taala. May Allah Taala give us the tawfiq. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين